right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Innovation Crush. Um, normally, Robert, my regular trusty steed, would go, Innovation Crush. I don't know I why he does that's it. That's my job now? Yes. Innovation Crush. All right. Thank you. Um, that was Sunita Surajan. Did I, did I, I've never said your last name you, out loud. Right. Did, how did you, I do you it? You shouldn't have. Oh, <laughs> you do it. Get a little closer to the mic so I can hear you. Sunita Surajan. That was close enough. Close enough. Long, longer A. Exactly. Your process uh, was on the wrong syllable. <laughs> totally. Syllable. <laughs> <laughs> that coming from the cylindrical guy. Wait, what was it? Uh, ovicular. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you come from, what sure. are you doing? Well, why don't we talk about how we met, first of all? Nah, we don't need yeah. to do that. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan State Spartans? Michigan State Spartans. Go state, absolutely. Um, Who've also been guests on the show after they won the Rose Bowl. Just is, so you know. Oh, okay. Very good. Yes. A nice link there. <laughs> um, well, I mean, in the space, I've worked at um, CAA, Sony, Disney Interactive of late. I just took some time off to finish my MBA. I do that next week. And um, that's kind of it. I have no idea what I'm doing next. Uh, <laughs> did you bring your resume with you? I did not. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> opportunity lost. Um, we are here. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I totally appreciate I'm here for you, Chris. I, I appreciate that support. I'm going to need it. Um, and we're here with two uh, pretty amazing guys, um, the Bushnells, two of them at least, Nolan and Brent. Uh, say hello, fellows. Greetings. Hi, Greetings. <laughs> um, and thank you for the syllab- syllabic correction. Sure. Syllabic. I'm going to stick I'm, with I'm, what I was going to say. I'm a word nerd. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so just before we started recording, you were saying that your dad sp- spent last year writing four books? Yeah, yeah. Well, he sat down to write one and, and, ma- and wrote four. So, you know. I couldn't decide be- which... Topic oh, did you write them simultaneously? Like, what happened? Do you just go, oh, I'm start this one too, and then you get a couple of chapters I, here done? I actually started out uh, with the education book because I thought it would be an interesting thing to sort of write down what was going on with my business. And then I love science fiction, and I always felt I had a story in me, so I put that story down. And that was the, the interesting thing is that thing just went lickety split <laughs> well and, and I gotta say it was really fun to read he gave me a Kindle copy of it and I'm reading through it but the part that was so weird was his characters were giving each other the advice he'd been giving me for years and so there was this total mind <laughs> did, you, did you feel kind of like jaded where you're like hey wait a minute I'm kind of hey. in this book but not really <laughs> don't worry. it was weird yeah. this guy's name is Brad Why is, sounds like Brent um <laughs> So that's cool. And so speaking of that kind of advice. Oh, we, instead, I, I, can't, I can't leave this marketing opportunity, but I ended up <laughs> actually getting, finding the next Steve Jobs about hiring and firing and, and dealing with creatives. Right. And uh, that's available. And uh, it's a really wonderful book to read, and it's tasty. You can buy several and eat them for breakfast. <laughs> mm. And you can actually read them as well. You guys are innovative. You have edible <laughs> books. <laughs> it's a first. <laughs> it is a first. This book is made of candy. Uh, so what are the book titles? Uh, I can't tell you the, the oh, other three because okay. they're not published yet. Got it. So nice. It will be loud Very exciting. and wonderful. That's awesome. Um, so, I guess I don't know who to introduce first. I'm gonna. I'll start with the younger, the younger version. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Brent, and Two Bit Circus, and you know what you've been up to lately. Great. Uh, yeah. So I'm an engineer and entrepreneur. Uh, study computer science at UCLA, and I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. Actually, Dad had you know put me up to all sorts of crazy selling of stuff, from you know mistletoe to candy bars. You know, I was terrible at baseball, but you know managed to sell enough candy bars in Northern California to raise money for my baseball team. It gave me like a stereo. <laughs> it was like third most in the whole state. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I co-founded a company. Many candy bars. Is, is equivalent to a stereo. Uh, was it know, like a dual cassette? It was. Too? It was definitely not a fair. Knowing what I know now about sales, it was not a fair trade. You know, I mean, I, I, was, I sold thousands of candy bars, so they they really they they won on that transaction. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, who who came up with the business model of getting kids to sell magazine subscriptions for you and giving them like tiny stuff? That was genius, also. Yeah, exactly. Um, slave but, drivers. Slave drivers. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I co-founded a company called Two Bit Circus with uh, my co-founder Eric Gradman. Uh, we're basically a big band of super nerds, and uh, we build high-tech amusements, so big games for museums and hotels. We have our own traveling carnival uh, called Steam Carnival that we use basically lasers, fire, and robots. A whole bunch of high-tech games uh, get kids excited about engineering. Um, it'll Suddenly, be- I just got a little a little scared. <laughs> Laser, fire, and robots. Yeah, lasers, fire, and robots. Uh, so we've got rooms full of laser beams, big walls of buttons, huge group games, uh, big social stuff. Uh, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. I have a so, quote from you, you speaking of money. Um, you said, I learned that making money was just selling something for more than I paid for it. Yeah, this was, you know, in the early days before Costco, you had Price Club, right? And Dad would, would take us down there and we uh, we would buy, you know, boxes of candy bars and cliff bars and all this kind of stuff. And then we'd, you know, set up a, 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 out in front of the house and, and sell that stuff. And we had, a, you know, there, we were sort of on a, on a road that a lot of bicyclists went down. And, you know, that was pretty, you know, it's, it sounds like a simple concept, but that's pretty, that's like, in no, the it's, end, it's so basic. When I read it, I was like, that is yeah. the thing. Like, <laughs> it's 101, like, not even 101, 100. Yeah. And so so here we were buying candy bars for 30, 40 cents and selling them for a buck. You know, that's real money when you're when you're in middle school. You know? no, no, yeah. what, was, that, was that by design? Like, do, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like every parent should teach their kids how to be entrepreneurs. Fundamentally. Um, I mean, the, the favorite one is we did a game and licensed it to tops and uh, made twenty five thousand dollars. Well, my boys and. It was yeah. it was neat. It was right around the time collectible, tradable card games. If you heard Magic and that right. kind of stuff, and so we, you know, we're we're a gaming household. We love games, board games, puzzles, all that kind of stuff. And so we made our own, and we was sort of a, a sci-fi uh, adventure. <clears throat> and uh, and so we, we we you know it was early days of, of Photoshop and KPT Bryce and sort of being able to render on your computer. Kinkos had just opened, so we were you know we were missing school to go there at midnight to print up stuff. And you took to your kids out of school. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I have. I have been so, on on so many levels, a bad parent, but I think it's been the best thing. I let let Brent and and Tyler, his younger brother, do an all-nighter based around doing an adventure game for show and tell in the second grade. Do you remember that? (laughs) No, I don't. But that's was that was that a uh, remember on Macintosh and Hypercard? Oh wow. You and Tyler. <laughs> never and seen Tyler. We're reliving. This is your life. <laughs> but that's kind of like the modern day hack day, right? Where you work exactly. all night. So I think you were on the right track. You you were ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, and, and his mother was just, you know, horrified that I was going to let you guys, spe- you know, stay up all night to get that game done. Well, well, I think it's just, it's like a non, I wouldn't say it's bad parenting. It's very non-traditional, right? It, you know, you don't hear those kinds of stories in average households. And even one of the things I wanted to ask you was just like, how important was that sense of play versus traditional academia? Or was there a balance there? Because you're both engineers by trade, right? Is, yeah. is that correct? Um, but you've got this great sense of like all-nighters and playing and games and so on and so forth. So where was that balance in the, you know, in the, in the household? You know, I never No balance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there a really D-plus student. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I really never had the feeling that you guys cared how I did in school. And it, not, not in a bad way. Like, I really felt like the priorities were elsewhere. And the, the education part was important. And, and you know, but the, there was, there were other things, there were other metrics by which we, were, we, would, we would succeed or fail. The, the the only thing that we really looked down on was watching TV. Yeah, that's really true. Why? We, 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 I just felt that if the the t watching TV meant the house wasn't interesting enough, that we didn't that there wasn't enough good stuff in the shop, and there wasn't the lab wasn't set up right or right. Do you we, still? feel that way even though like now there's second screen experiences and things that you can do while the TV episode is going on is that kind of still your sense yeah I, I think that that you need to have projects things that you're building okay. now if you want to do some programming or something like that but but I think that that there's too much emphasis on passivity and I I think that you want to have your kids be active mind active body I'm with you because, I mean, I have a one-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I get a little peeved when I see parents just hand their kid, a, you know, a, an iPad, and and it's an hour later, and they're still on it, you know. I, I, I try to limit my daughter's time to, like, 20 minutes. So, like, she says, oh, can I use my blah, blah, blah? I'm like, oh, yes, you got 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when it's 840 or whatever time it is, you know, find something else to do. 
Um, unless you're doing Minecraft. Unless, <laughs> unless you're, <laughs> then you can take all day. Um, but you really do need that. You need the variety. You know, it's some, it's not, there's great stuff to be had on the iPad for sure. But there's also great stuff to getting your, you know, getting dirt on your fingernails and rolling around and you know, getting outside. And you know, you want you want sort of a whole variety of things. I don't know if you guys remember that Heinlein quote, but you know, specialization is for insects. Right. <laughs> That's a great quote. I love that quote. Specialization is for instance. Yeah, well, I mean, the, but don't we need specialists though? Like, don't don't we? It, it, I mean, it's great to be entrepreneurial and you know absolutely. multifaceted, but then you need somebody who can sit there. And well, so like the way that we the way that we hire, the way that we interview, we basically say the assumption is that you know how to do the the, the role that we're hiring you for, electrical engineer, software developer. You better be awesome at that. Be awesome at something. But not just I guess that I'm out. thing. <laughs> but not just that thing. You want to be able to do lots of other stuff. And so a, a deal breaker for us is, you know, what do you do on the weekends? And if you don't have sort of a passionate side project or something that you are also good at, I mean, we've got not, you know, one of our electrical engineers is not only a fantastic software and, and electrical engineer, he's also the world's second ranking unicyclist. You know, my co-founder is a, has a master's in robotics and also a sixth, uh, uh, sixth placed sixth in the whistling competition. You know, I mean, we, they've got like. <laughs> sort of weird stuff you know you when you're passionate about something you you you, you put a you dump time into it and you 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 know you, you i love it I, I like that because it, you know i'm big on perspectives right gathering different life perspectives I, I put a team together for a company uh last year and when we sent out like our sort of our team bio i didn't put anything that anyone had done in their career mm-hmm. you know I, it was all sort of one person was ranked along with Al Gore as one of the 50 most people you know, likely to change the world. Another one had written like three you know, science fiction and horror novels. Um, and it was just kind of like, that made everyone that much more interested in our group. Right? It was yeah. just more of a conversation. It was a, it was a better connection than, oh, you were at Davy Brown and you were the accountant. You know, it was just yeah. a different kind of connection. And I think you need that in a creative team. Well, and you know, humans, we like patterns, right? We like things that, we, that are sort of predictable and, and, and it's sort of at odds with brain growth because you really want novelty and th- things that are different. You want to get out of your, your, your habits and, and you sort of, but you have to work hard to do that. And so when, you know, when you, the, the sort of standard question, Oh, what do you do? This sort of, you're on autopilot, you know, but if all of a sudden you're talking about all the weird, the other weird stuff, you know, now you're, now you're really, you know, now you're interested. Now you're engaged. Now there's something else going on rather than just sort of, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm an accountant. And okay. Right. You know, in fact, all of the really powerful people that have worked for me have all been, you know, on a on a scale from one to ten, nines and tens on the enthusiasm for life scale. Right. And I, and I think you need that. Like, I, it's that having that natural curiosity about things and people and places and, you know, rather than a, a means to an end. You know, I think yeah, most people look it, at work as a... Definitely. It adds depth and dimension to the individual, and it just brings a lot more to the project and to the company, I, I feel. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. yeah. Um. Why did Atari become Atari? Why did you make it? <laughs> I uh, I had the benefit of being a manager of the games department of uh, an amusement park when I was in college. At the same time, you could play Space War on a PDP-1. And uh, I played it and immediately knew that if I could make that game cheap, and in bars and restaurants and amusement parks that I'd make a lot of money. And it turned out to be true, but what I didn't realize is everybody loved it, but all my friends were engineers. It was a little too complex, and so the the one that really rang the bell was Pong. Right. Uh, The part that I, I love about that story is you guys were trying to make it more complicated, right? You had yeah. there was an idea for a guy with a tennis racket instead of the paddle, and that was just sort of like an intermediate step, <laughs> right, you know. Right, and true. so you know there was nothing. We I, I always feel the same way. There's nothing we can't overcomplicate. It's usually the simple stuff that's the awesome stuff. You know? Exactly. Yeah, we can we can drive any good project into complexity and failure. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You guys have listened to the show before, then. Huh? <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I had a, a, a thought about that, too, just in terms of the simplicity of Pong and that sort of catapulting, you know, Atari to uh, to where it is today uh, versus, you know, what's changed over the course of 30 plus years 
um, in that because you could, there was a point in time which you could be like, oh, let's just put it out there and see what happens, right? You wanted to have the tennis racket and, the, and these other, these other bells and whistles as part of the experience, but now you know where where two bit circus is coming in. This is like you, they're all spectacles, right? Well, you know what else has changed is that the tools to make this stuff have gotten a lot easier, and so we can we can brainstorm on an idea and have a working prototype that afternoon. I mean, that's nuts, you right. know. And so the the thing that's really fun is. You know, you don't know what's going to be successful, right? You, you, you. In fact, oftentimes the things that you're the most excited about are the ones that are the most terrible and won't work at all. And so we, uh, so one of the things that ends up being a lot of fun is you throw a lot of stuff against the wall. Pretty soon, you get people going through that stuff. You figure out which ones are actually fun and, and worthwhile. Um, and the other big difference, though, is it the game business is a multi-headed hydra or multi-snaked hydra right. of. of, of Business. It's it's a it's a entertainment ecosystem from the handhelds to the iPads to the you know massively player online game to Oculus Rift to yes. you know it just the thing and and so you can no longer talk about the game business as a business it's businesses yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, you know. Um, the what's your creative director's name? The unicyclist. Uh, well, so my co-founder is Eric Grabman. Our creative director is Hector Alvarez. There were, who, uh, oh, and the unicyclist Spencer uh, Spencer Hochberg. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, there was a Future of Gaming panel that I moderated, and I'm forgetting the guy's name. That was Dan Busby. Yes. Yeah. He was awesome. Like he like really super entertaining, funny guy, smart. Yeah. Um, which was a great reflection on your team. The conversation that we were having was around the future of gaming as it relates to sort of the Internet of Things, yeah. right? And when you bring up this idea of devices everywhere and, you know, um, do you see any sort of, like, where do you see opportunities to, to maximize gaming experience? And I, I love the way, Brent, you look at games just as, you know, physical play and experience. And then also just on the technology side, Nolan, where it's just like, all right, let's make sure the buttons and the, and, the, and things work when people push them. But um, as far as the Internet of Things go and connected gaming, like what, where, where do you sort of see the future of things? So, uh, uh, sorry, Dan, I forgot your name. That, that sucks. I, no, I, no, I you know, Dan, Dan, Dan's awesome. I, I, I call him the irreverent Southern physicist you know, because he's not, not only the Caltech PhD candidate in physics, but also an amazing fabricator and you know, pretty, pretty hilarious. His, his comedy's awesome. Yeah, he talks and, and he welds. And he's an amazing fabricator. Right? All right. Yeah. What, else, what else has he done? <laughs> and he's good in the kids. Can he cook? <laughs> I think he I'm going to marry him. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, a, a domain, Internet of Things, I mean, a domain that I'm really excited about for gaming is you think about the evolution of entertainment, right? And it's about increasing your immersion. You go from a book where you're a passive observer and you're doing all the imagining. A movie, some of the imagining's done for you. Uh, a, a video game, you've got a little bit of control, but you're using your thumbs. Uh, you know, the Kinect and the Wii gives you a little more opportunity to sort of move around, but you're still doing it in front of a screen. Well, right. what happens after that? You know, for me, it's total immersion. You're you're the character. You know, as close to Michael Douglas in the game, if you ever saw mm, that movie. Wow, good you reference. Know, yeah, uh, uh, as, as close to that as possible. But you know, I mean, in that one, he, you know, in that movie, he was drugged and dropped in Mexico. So you know, you want to sort of rein that in for you know, <laughs> safe for the home audience. That's a fun thing. <laughs> Alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> you signed up for this. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I quit. But but Internet of Things allows for that kind of stuff because now you could tell a story across lots of devices and uh, you know and in 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 a space or across a space down Hollywood Boulevard um, and allow someone to really become a detective in a detective adventure and you know the story's only going to advance if they you know solve the puzzles or if you can enclose an environment somewhere where every screen does a different thing for you. Right. So yeah. that all of a sudden they can put you into a different reality than the person that's right behind you and then mess with your brain. Yeah. So and then people other people that. get involved. Other people get involved. Mess with we, we, can give, we can give you each a different role. You're going to be the, you know, right. you're the detective, you're the alien. You know, yeah. Have you ever done a, a murder mystery dinner, dinner evening? I have it's not. Been have a while. Not. <laughs> You've done one ages ago. Really? But they, it those was were sort a of big thing years ago, and you should do one. They're 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 like an early experiment in this space, and you know, in New York right now, there's a, a, a theater production called Sleep No More. That's another sort of early experiment of of you know, a, a it's not a theater where you're sitting at a, in a you know in a chair and looking at a big you know right. uh, show. You're wandering around this like hyper themed environment, and there's and and some of the people are other guests, and some of the people are actually actors, and it's really a, it, it's a lot of fun. 
that sounds that sounds amazing. It reminds me um, just a little bit of sort of like Mindshare and in the the kinds of communities they're in, where you know there's the they kind of take experiences to the next level, right? Yeah. There's chess boxing. Oh, man. Where it's just like you do a move of chess and then you box around. So, Chris, <laughs> I really like where you're going there because I think that we've moved from a consumer-based society to an experience-based society. I like, 100% you know, agree. Think about what's on your, your want list, right? It's, for me, it's not stuff anymore. It's right. like, I want to go here. I want to try this thing. I want to do. I want to go to this restaurant. Like, it's, it's, it's experiences. And I think, but I still, uh, kudos to you, Brent, uh, Everett Nolan, because I, I think as a parent, you have to instill that, right? I think you have to instill that sense of wanting to experience things. You know, I, even with my, my eight-year-old, just turned nine uh, last week, but you know, I, I started gifting experiences and, as opposed to like, oh, here's a new bike. It was like, all right, we're going to go. We went to the, she's a big fan of Jesus Christ Superstar. We went to the 40th anniversary screening of Jesus Christ Superstar, and she got to meet, you know, Ted Neely, and like that's all she's been talking about for the last month. But it's, it's, you know, it's those experiences and that wanting to have tangible, you know, uh, means of of interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, tell us about this Steam Carnival. So, we had an interesting time, you know. A couple of a number of years ago, we we uh, our, our band of nerds, uh, we were we were called Sin Labs at the time, uh, was asked by a rock band to make a music video, Absolutely. and it went crazy viral. And it was a big Rube Goldberg machine. And the thing that was really powerful about it, the thing that we didn't expect, I mean, it was really fun. Wow, viral video, fifty million views. But a lot of parents and teachers called. And they were saying, hey, thanks so much. We used that in our physics class, and the kids were really inspired. We made our own uh, 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 Rube Goldberg and blah, blah, blah. And we, like, scratched our heads. We're like, wait, we're not educators. Like, what's going on here? And we we started to realize that there was lots of different things that, that could, could sort of fit the bill for education. And, uh, and, and, and here we are building games and having a ball using our engineering superpowers to build all this, you know, all, all this crazy stuff with sensors and computer vision and right. whatnot. And so we said, hey, kids don't understand what it means to be an engineer. They think it's pencil ties and lab coats, and, and they want to be what they can see. So they think, oh, okay, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a DJ, I want to be a basketball player. Jay-Z. Jay-Z, you know. But if we show them that, hey, engineering is awesome, and in fact, you're going to make more money than if you were any of those roles, you know, and that you're going to have, and you're going to be able to build anything you want and all of this. So we said, okay, let's take all of the games we've been making, let's let's take it on the road, let's, you know, give kids the ability to, with, through their own sort of uh, uh, set of tools to be able to make their own stuff. And uh, so we launched as a Kickstarter campaign last year. It went all over the internet, got us on you know uh, uh, time and discovery and whatnot. And and uh, the first one, we finally settled on a location in Los Angeles. It'll be at the uh, in San Pedro, the end of October. And uh, and then we've got you know so many cities reach out. We're going to be uh, taking it all over the country. That sounds really exciting. So what is it? Is it kind of like a, what's the so actual it's an, experience? It's an event. Okay. Uh, and so you would buy a ticket. It's the event of all events. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In San Pedro. It's going to be big. It will be, be massive. So In it, October. <laughs> there will be death. No, I'm just kidding. No death. Uh, but it's going to be it's huge. It's, we, got, we have a 50,000 square foot venue. It's a big, it's a beautiful old maritime warehouse uh, in San Pedro. And uh, there is be tons of games, right? So we've reimagined the carnival. Carnival hasn't changed in, I don't know, 100 years. Uh, and so we said, let's use all that modern new technology and incorporate that into games. So there, there's lots of big group games. And uh, so you, there'll, be, there'll be that arc of, you know, fun for the whole family. All ages come, play the games, have fun, you know, the various food vendors and whatnot. And then there's also going to be a, a, a second portion for kids to be able to experiment with their own stuff, you know, make workshops, playing with some of those old, their, their own gear. Uh, and, you know, as, as far as converting kids to be engineers, you got to we want to appeal to things we know they already like. Right. So we picked music, fashion and games. And so the kits are all focused around those domains. And so the kids are working with making their own fashion, but not just any fashion. We said we got to sort of cloak that stuff with with engineering. So we incor- we said mus- uh, wearable electronics. So the kids are making their own wearable electronics fashion. And then for music, we said, all right, uh, musical robots. Right. And uh, so there uh, at the event, there's a, w- a wearable electronics fashion show and there's also a concert of musical robots I like it yeah (laughs) (laughs) as I'm as I'm watching you speak and like there's this sparkle in your eye like I'm wondering how you feel Nolan just as a parent right watching this trajectory right Um, what's going through your mind at this like, I got a meeting. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm tremendously proud of them. I, sure. I have eight children, and right. uh, 
And so it's been really a fun tra- uh, a fun journey of, of being a parent and trying to instill life passion right. in everybody. And, uh, and I feel like, uh, in general, our kid, my kids have, have life passion. We, we, they're all curious. Of course, we have a problem because they're only leaders in our family. We don't have any followers. <laughs> which we, hard, to, hard, hard, to, hard to get on the same page about going to dinner. Or <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel really good about it. And, and, you know, there's some things. In fact, people have been telling me that I should write, that one of my books should talk about raising entrepreneurial children. And I think, I mean, I, they, those people have hit the nail on the head, I think. Um, so Brain Rush, right, uh, speaking of educating youth, um, kind of give us the overview on the Brain Rush experience, um, more from the product side than the entrepreneurial side. Like, what, what is it? It's really about uh, accelerating learning using brain principles, learning principles that are well-researched, and then integrating them into a software set of game templates that are easily manipulable by teachers, students, or us into creating curriculum of extremely powerful and fast-moving educational lessons. And is it what what age range is it designed for? Is it for younger kids? Is it for MBA students like pre-K to post-grad? It's anytime you want to learn something. It's right. kind of Wikipedia if you want to look something up. If you want to learn it, brain rush. Now, how does that? How does this experience compare to something like Khan Academy? Khan Academy is passive, which violates one of the rules that we have. Um, a pause button on a, on a YouTube video is, is, is not active. One of the things that make things really sticky in your brain mm-hmm. is to ponder them. And, and in some ways, testing is a very educational project. If you look at video games, we don't give any instructions. People go in, punk around, and after a while they know everything that's going on in that room or in that environment. And that's because it's active. Right. And active is the key. The, the, the best video games sort of slowly reveal the complexity to you, right? Think about Angry Birds. You've, you, you can't use all of the different sizes of the birds in the beginning. You just have the big red fat one, right? right. And then only as you start to understand that mechanic of, oh, I'm slingshotting something. And, and then later you get the other birds. Now you can, you know, get the triangles and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, for the, I think like the first month I played Angry Birds, I played it without the sound on, on my phone. And then one time I was like, oh, my gosh, this game is so loud and noisy and annoying. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you can't go to level two of Super Mario Brothers without mastering level one. You know, you, No, I love it. And, and, and there's that sense of, like, personal accomplishment. I think, you know, when you're in a group class setting, Right, it's kind of like oh, we all get we all get to go. There's a, there's always like a little bit of maybe I didn't deserve this, you know. And and I'm I'm kind of just realizing this now, like you know, as you go up or you know you didn't you know you got a D in that one class and you don't know shit about it, yeah. <laughs> but now you're now you're going on to fifth grade or right, you know. So that was a pretty calculus it was a pretty old world approach of saying, well, logistically we've got we've only got the one teacher. We've got to we know we've got to get throughput of thirty or forty kids. And, you know, it just uh, the, the system wasn't really set up to sort of handle for the fact that, oh, one of you really doesn't understand it. We, right. You know, and so the, the, the more granularly we can start, up, start to understand that, well, you, you really understood it. You, you missed this one thing. Uh, you know, Brain Rush starts to track all that. And make Was sure. this designed to complement the classroom or to replace it? Complement. Okay. See, I believe that uh, there is nothing better than a the personal interaction between a prepared student and a good classroom discussion. One of the problems that you have, though, is we've we've discovered a couple things that are really important. The first is that there's there's a real problem with people who are perceived as dumb being called slow. It turns out that there's some very, very, very smart people that just have a lot slightly slower clock rate and give them just a little bit more time. Sure. And all of a sudden, they're, they're more than equivalent to the A students. And I think that, that we can collapse 
the left-hand side of the standard deviation curve back up into the mid, into the mean uh, by some of our technologies. Some of the kids have self-defined as stupid are actually quite brilliant, and they don't even know it. Uh, how do you how do you spot that? We spot it through the the results of our uh, that they have in in our software because our software adapts and gives them more time if it looks like they need it. Right. And yet, and then after that, we start looking at their actual retention rate, their actual ability to use that information uh, in you know manipulatives and and in, in uh, synthesis, and we realize that. All of a sudden, these kids that have, you know, made, okay, and, and it's not a lot. It's like four seconds of concept, seven mm. seconds of concept, mm. that, that if you give them that extra, all of a sudden, they're actually performing better than a lot of the kids that are doing it faster. And, you know, to, to riff on that of this, you know, sort of augmenting existing classroom, there's a lot of excitement these days around what's called the flip model, which is you do the lectures and whatnot at home on your own time, read and, and, and you know, watch videos and whatnot, and then do the homework in the classroom. And, and so the neat part is, is you, it's, it's powerful to get everybody in the same room. You've still got the teacher there. You've got the, the, the accelerated students are able to mentor the, 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 the students that are struggling. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's, 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 there's interesting power there. Who's afraid of you guys? Like when you go and talk to the school systems or or schools, like a lot of the you know the old educational systems are scared to or you know maybe they I don't know what the actual issue is or the hurdles to implementing you know mass change. Right, you go to New York; it's the largest school district in the country, and there's only a few pockets of you know innovation in education. So where do you find the, the hurdles? Surprisingly, are? more every day. I'd say the people that are afraid, most afraid of brain rush are just people who are fearful of change. They think, well, if I did it 20 years ago, that's good enough. But more and more, I'd say that the world believes that education is important and broken and they want to change it. It's neat. You know, technology is kind of over-promised and under-delivered for education for a long time. And I think we finally have this perfect storm where the technology is the right price. Uh, it, the, the sort of world, you know, the kids understand how to use it. The teachers have been around it now for a little bit. You know, you, it's, it's not as hard to maintain the stuff. So you don't need, you know, sort of the full-time IT person or kids trying to steal memory out of the computers and all the sort of stuff that was difficult. You know, a tablet's much more like an appliance. And, uh, and so I think we've, we're finally in a position where tech is going to be able to make some real headway. I agree. That's exact. I think perfect storm is the right, is the right answer. But a bad movie. Right. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. Sure. Um, are you using the curriculum of the schools, and how are you incorporating that into your software, or are you just using the curriculum as inspiration and completely blowing that out and creating a brand new experience? We we are not in the experience creation business. We create lessons that augment various lessons. But what we really want are we want the teachers to create the lessons and then share them. Think of it as a big, you know, share my lesson kind of thing. Um, we believe that brilliance comes with millions of people using and sharing and refining. And we give back the feedback so that we know the stuff that is most effective. And... Uh, and we just want to make the teacher's life easier. Okay. And we want to make the teacher's life more effective. For example, we did an alpha test in Spanish vocabulary. And the teachers that used our stuff, our, our software, our, their kids in Spanish one ended up with a 1,500-word vocabulary. Typically in Spanish one, they end up with a 150-word vocabulary. Wow. And for the first time, the teacher was able to speak to teach the complete class in, uh, in Spanish. No English spoken. Why is um, why is education your platform, right? You're the thing that you guys are, you know, with hunger, you know, what, like all the other issues that are out there. Why pick education as the one to tackle to this degree? 
for us, uh, you know, we felt like we had an opportunity to re reframe and rebrand what it means to be an engineer. And we believe engineers are the new rock stars. So uh, we, we thought we had an opportunity just given our unique backgrounds and the sorts of projects we were building and how we were applying engineering to our jobs right. to be able to uh, uh, really reposition it. So as rock stars, does that mean when you go to hotel rooms, instead of trashing them, you'll just <laughs> reconfigure them? <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll reach over the lighting, the temperature. Exactly. <laughs> what do they do here? <laughs> but so along those lines, I mean, I definitely believe that engineers are the true rock stars, and I've worked with many of them, But and a lot of them have sideline projects that they're passionate about. I think what gets them really frustrated is that they get um, into this little hub and they're stuck there and they don't know how to get to market or push their products forward or marketing. Um, I think it they just get stuck and they get really frustrated. You guys have definitely broken that barrier and have taken your engineering, you know, to a whole new level. How did you guys do that and what advice do you have for, you know, there's lots of engineers in, in, in Los Angeles. What what would you say one of the things that's, that is really neat, everybody's always talking about how to recreate Silicon Valley, right? And and I think that one of the things that is so powerful about Silicon Valley is the ecosystem. There were there were all the meetups. There's all the you know all all the VCs are all mm-hmm. you know organized and 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 those those that ecosystem has is starting to happen all over the place in, in Boston and New York and LA and you know we you there, those meet those meetups exist so you can get around the the venture capitalists you can get around the the accelerators and so if you are a talented engineer, your opportunities to kind of get in front of uh, business people and, and collaborate, find a co-founder and, and whatnot are, are getting really strong. And so I think that, you know, the, the, the first step is get out of the house, you know, don't, you know, once you've got your great idea, go start meeting people because no person is an island and there's no way that you're going to be able to pull this off by yourself. You need a team and you're going to want, a, you know, a, a great biz dev person. You want a great artist and you, you know, you need to get out there and start meeting people in order to be able to take your idea to the next and step. And it's probably, more important to do that now, right? I mean, you look at music business, like long gone are the days where I can, you know, play um, play my guitar in my room and then send the tape into the record label and see what happens. You know, like you have to come in with a package and yeah. a movement behind you and, you know, all these different things. So, yeah, you, it, it cuts both ways. The fact that the tools are really accessible means that the bar has been raised. You know, a, a VC is not going to just fund your PowerPoint deck anymore. you got to have a successful Kickstarter campaign or you've got a million followers on YouTube or there's some amount of proof because the reality is, is some people in their garage can get, you know, can marshal a following. Isn't, in that, isn't that sort of a burden on the creator? Like, you know, if, if I'm really good at, you know, making iPhone cases or whatever, now I have to think of a dozen other things that are completely outside of my like yeah, but not, purview as not that a word much. I hate. Here's the thing. One of the things that's awesome about Kickstarter is you know, in the old world, you come up with an idea and you work on it for two years and then you go and you take it out to the market and maybe people want it, right? And 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 worst case, nobody wants it. And you've spent two years of your life building something that totally sucks. Right. But if instead, if you could describe it well and put it up on Kickstarter and, and then, you know, have an onslaught of people who want to buy it, now you have proof of concept. You've got proof of the fact that there's a market there. You know, you've, you, but, but in the worst case there, Maybe it took you six months to get your Kickstarter off the off the ground, and nobody wants it. Well, great, you've just saved yourself a year and a half, you know. And and uh, so I think that the, the 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 fact that those tools are out there is it you know it really does make for more efficient. You you want to find the idea that is one that you know people will want, also something you want to do, and something that people are going to want. And also, also I think that collaboration mm-hmm. is helpful. I mean, not everybody can be an engineer. I mean. Marketing is a, is a true skill. And, you know, I, I kind of think this is a little bit of a school failure. Like, I don't believe anybody should graduate from high school without knowing how to market on eBay. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ba- how about basic finance? Yeah, basic, what? yeah, just, yeah. just an accounting I mean, class. It's, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I loved my five years of calculus, but, you know, I mean, wouldn't, a, wouldn't one half of, you know, wouldn't a semester in, in basic finance and CPR and, you know, I mean, I feel like there's some fundamental things that kids should walk away with that they're not getting right well, now. Well, there's another yeah. quote I, I have um, from you, Nolan, which is, a big difference between many U.S. school systems and abroad is that we teach hourly concepts to low-income youth, whereas globally they teach them to own. 
And it's kind of like that whole thing. It's like you're learning the ecosystem of life and business as opposed to like the memorizing multiplication tables. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I applaud you for, for that quote. Um, when kind of getting back into the, the game side of things, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about immersion, and I always wonder. You know, and I used to work for a company called Machinima, and just me as an observer on fanboy culture and how rabid people are about the games and the things that they love. Like, you know, can either of you kind of speak to the psychology of the game experience, right? Um, and and why it works? They're pointing at each other, just so you guys. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the, the game experience is really tuned to your brain. Games are addictive. And they're addictive because they're satisfying because they, they allow you to solve tractable problems, which is satisfying. It's fun to, to be master of your universe. Right. It's, it's, it's good to be God. <laughs> you know? And... and uh, in gameplay, it's as close as you can be to a supernatural being. And uh, while it's ego gratifying, the fact that you're that constantly learning, when you're learning and when you're solving problems, mm-hmm. you're as happy as you can be. And it turns out that you, you thought that that uh, great steak dinner and with lobster sauce and, and all that stuff was great. Turns out that the lasting happiness is actually cr- the, the act of creation. Huh. That's deep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's great. <laughs> I, I mean, that's kind of what I was going for. Just kind of like you know, I've asked this question to to other people in in this world, and you know, there's always a different answer. But I, I think I always look for where the emotional connection lies, and and the the psychological part of that emotional connection, which I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's the problem solving the, the aha I did that you know uh, you know God of War is one of my favorite games and you know Great game. it is a, it's an awesome game and like I'll, I'll I feel like I'm Kratos like I'll walk around the house and yell at my wife uh, and swing you know uh, swords at her she doesn't respond to <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling the police again um, so what uh, what do either of you admire like what's one trait that one that either of you has that you wish you had so if you could, if you could look to your dad, no, like you know what I mean, like, like what do you see in each other that you're like, ah, I love that, and I wish I had that character trait. I'd say that uh, Brent has a higher energy level than I do, and um, I'm, I think that uh, I would love to have just a little. I'm lazier than he is. That's hard to believe, but I mean, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, like capacity for synthesis. I don't know, like you know. I'm sorry, what? So <laughs> he can he can look at like five industries or five different problems or different people and sort of synthesize across those things to and, and arrive at a concept that I think is really. A powerful skill set. So, like connecting the dots. Connecting between, the dots in between in, disparagingly in really different, different, you know, across different things in a in a really. Uh, Is there an example way. of that? Um, what are, I mean, I think brain, I, I actually think, I mean, brain rush is, 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 is an amazing example. And actually, and a lot of, I mean, yeah, the, the content in a lot of those books is, uh, uh, you know, addresses all those, but brain rush is a great example of, of, of applying video games to education and, uh, you know, uh, 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 Wikipedia in a way that's really, sp- yeah. And the, and the whole domino effect of that, uh, system like that and what that means, you know, even, even when I ask the question about education, just being an important you know, movement for you guys. It, it if you teach kids how to love learning, it's like an age old thing, right? Like you teach them how to love learning, they they will continue to contribute and build and make things. And yeah, are kind of, and it's already happening anyway. Like when you look at STEAM education and what we had a woman on uh, Melissa June Riley or Rally who um, she oh, she's great. doing a documentary on. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. Oh, awesome. Yeah, great. Um, but yeah, that documentary when she comes in and talks about the kids that are featured in this documentary, and you got Jake Andreka who you know created the pancreatic cancer detection thing. It, he, he didn't learn that in school, right? No. <laughs> so. Well, and you know the neat thing is, is those kids they're all 
focused on projects, you know, and that's the thing that's really neat. It's not about what facts do you, you know, list the facts you know. It's what projects are you working on, you know. And they're all self-taught. Yeah, pick a domain. Right. And, uh, and uh, so I think that, and it's and it's neat because I think what Steam represents is not just oh I'm doing engineering and now I'm doing technology and uh, over here I'm doing science, but all of those things are needed in order to pull something off. And yeah. and and the inclusion of art into the STEM acronym is powerful because you know creativity is a fundamental aspect of of, of engineering and problem solving. And uh, yeah, I think it's. It, it, the project side of this is really powerful. And even, you know, this is a special year for America, right? Common Core State Standards have come out, the Next Gen Science Standards, the first time we've got the majority of the states all on the same curriculum. And uh, it really emphasizes project-based learning and design thinking and, you know, things that weren't weren't really as present in, in previous curriculum. Another question for both of you. Um, when you walk into a room, right, what is your personal brand? You know, what is the thing that you feel like you bring to the table that or perspective that nobody else does when you walk in like what do you what do you, what do you want people to walk away from you know with an encounter with you they're not pointing at each other this time eyes are <laughs> searching the ceiling uh you know i really love talking to people so i i, I will you know strike up a conversation with with anybody you know in line at the checkout uh, you know in in the elevator when i really enjoy uh, uh interacting with people and finding you know, finding out what their sort of interesting thing is—not what they do or you know uh, whatnot—but what is their, uh, you know, what are they passionate about? And I and I always find that you end up with a with a, a much more fun conversation when you're sort of outside of that sort of knee-jerk reaction. Do you stuff. touch their hair as you're talking to this conversation? <laughs> you did that in the elevator with me. Yeah, yeah. You, t- you touched your hair. Stroked my hair. <laughs> <laughs> what was your name again? No. <laughs> when when people leave me, uh, what I really want them to be thinking is, I never thought of that before. I, I I don't want adulation, but I want to be impactful. That's great. I know that sounds corny. No, it's, 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 it's you know, I, 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 after I left Machinima, I did a lot of consulting. I had an agency before, and one of the things I used to always say, I, I really, the one thing I want to do is help people change their perspective. Mm, yes. Right? And actually, part of my tattoo, which I, I burned the other day, um, says change the way you look at things, and the things you look at will begin to change. Mm-hmm. And yes. if, if I can just plant a little seed of thinking, you know, think about it differently. Love it. And, it, like, I feel like my job is done to, to an extent. I also kind of like to make the future happen faster. Because I basically want to live in the future, and I'm getting old, so everybody has to hurry up. <laughs> I think he's talking to the three of us here. You go talk to X Prize. Awesome. They got all kinds of stuff going on over there. Um, the show is called Innovation Crush. Are and this is for all three of you? Um, are there what are the sort of innovations you see in the marketplace, in the world, in people that um, you're crushing on? You think they're really cool trends that are happening? Oh man, desktop manufacturing. I'm so excited that like tools are getting cheaper and more accessible and easier to use. You know, I mean, I, I the, the list of tools that that you know we want to get for our workshop is just getting longer. And <laughs> you know, I mean, te- you know that Tesla's got a, a, a 3D printer that can print in titanium. I mean, what? what? I want one of those so yeah. badly. You know, I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, hopefully the price is going to come off going down from a million dollars soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think the biggest impact in the next five years will be auto drive cars and, you know, pilot cars, some people call them. And I, the whole idea of, you know, getting rid of traffic jams and, and accelerating very, you know, basic transportation and making it cheaper so that everybody can not have to necessarily own a car um, and make it easy to electrify them. <laughs> you know, just just wonderful things. You know, auto drive cars will expand the capacity of every lane of traffic by at least ten. So all of a sudden, no traffic jams. Yeah, zero. You know, it, it's interesting because we only just—I don't know—in the last couple of years, do we have more people, more humans living in urban settings than in rural? But you could imagine that auto drive cars would get us back to being able to live rurally, but but you know, sort of exist. In the city, also, uh, like that, that's it also changed the game for Uber. Cha- well, Uber couldn't be better positioned. Right? <laughs> exactly, like oh, right. just send God. any car to yeah. come get me. Yeah. Right. Well, also, you can then. Here's the here's the game. <laughs> you can, since you don't need to look out anymore, 
you can have all your windscreens be, be actual video screens. And now when you're driving down Santa Monica, I want to write software so that it makes it look like Santa Monica in 2020, right. 2050, oh, yeah. or 1840, or, or, or on the moon. Yeah, right, or, right, 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 yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii, this or, guy's or pretty Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that would be fun. That would be really fun. I always worry about like the ability to disconnect, though. Like, you know, just, there's there's something to be said with that rural area, just going like, all right, I'm going to turn everything off, you know, for a minute, it, it, all, as awesome as it would be to have all this stuff in my car, like I would still be, it's gonna be, it'll turn into checking email. It, it does take, <laughs> it does take active management, right. you know. And I think you have to set boundaries for yourself. You set them for your kids, you know. Like, how do you? Maybe it's maybe it's Sunday. Maybe it's you know a couple hours a day where you put your cell phone down. Weird. Oh my yeah. god. But you know, I'm terrible at it. But I, I do think that that's yeah. a yeah, being able to disconnect is a powerful skill set. I also think it's valuable to be able to get home hammered without, without uh, That's true. having to drive. I'm trying to figure it's that true. out now. That's important. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get home after this show. Um, and uh, last but not least, um, can you both of you complete this phrase? Not simultaneously, because we won't be able to hear you. Uh, innovation to me is? Creating the future, but not too far. I like it. Uh, innovation to me is synthesizing uh, uh, disparate elements to solve a problem. Every time you say synthesizing, I think of the, the old 80s keyboard. The oh, yeah. um, how can people find you guys uh, online in the world? Brainrush.com. Uh, 2bitcircus.com. Spelled out T-W-O. B-I-T-C-I-R-C. What is a two-bit circus, by the way? You know, I bought the domain about five years ago. I was like, I'm going to need this someday. Uh, and so two bits is an old term. Uh, uh, you know, it means 25 cents. You know, but it was I like old. the strategy, by the way. <laughs> I think I'm going to use this. I've always been obsessed with circus and carnival. Uh, and, uh, and and two bits is sort of self-deprecating because it used to be something that was like kind of cheap, right? Oh, uh, yeah. The, you know, two bit. Shave and haircut. Shave and haircut. Two bits. Exactly. And so uh, so I sort of, uh, so I liked the idea of, and then um, I'm, you know, I'm a word nerd. I love double entendre. So there's the two bits, the old term, and then there, you know, bits and bytes for computers. So yeah. I felt like I've never met a double entendre I didn't like. And that was the perfect <laughs> name for a company. Nice. Any final questions, um, words? Jerry Springer's last thoughts? Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to thank you guys for coming. This has been uh, awesome. I appreciate you hey, taking fun. the time out. And Sunita, thanks for getting on the elevator with Brent and and then Mom I got kicked out. I got kicked out, actually. <laughs> like you, get off. Great, great questions. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. thanks for this. This is a lot of fun. Great answers. Even, even better answers. Uh, everyone, this has been another episode of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. Uh, we, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.